0: Hey, it's great to see you today. Thanks for being at Mile Straight. So glad you're here. If you haven't already, in your bulletin, you'll find a study guide if you'll take that out. And uh, if you'll grab a clipboard and a pen from the book rack, that'll give you something to write on. And while you're getting that out, let me just put a plug in for this evening. We're going to do something that we've done before, but not frequently and uh, I think it will be not only enlightening, but I think it will be a lot of fun as well. So be sure and be back this evening at 6.30 for our service. Today we're going to start a, uh, what I'm just going to call an infrequent series. Uh, because I want it to be a series, but yet I don't want it to be week after week after week. And so it's an infrequent series about frequently asked questions yeah I know that's, that's quite an oxymoron, I guess, but um, that's exactly what I want it to be. I don't want it to overshadow our ongoing series through the book of of uh, the chapter rather of Psalm 119. but I want it to be something as these things come to my mind to my heart as God puts them there, that I can interrupt where we are and drop another part of the infrequent series on the frequently asked questions, okay? So just so you got a little heads up on what to expect. Um, I have come to realize that people ask questions primarily for three reasons. Now please don't take this as being offensive because I don't intend it to be. I think that every place that I'm going to point out, all three of these categories are actually positive in one way or another. Uh, but they themselves have their own little category. For example, the first category I would say are people who ask a question just so they can talk. Now, while that could come across negatively, I actually mean it in a very positive way because what I've found about myself being introverted is it, it sometimes is difficult to, to have a conversation with me. I wish it wasn't that way, but it is. I've been told before, in fact, by one of my deacons, Terry Street. We'll just go ahead and point him out and let him slide under the bus. Uh, You're hard to talk to sometimes. And you know what? It's made me self-conscious of that. I I try to be more assertive and outgoing in my conversations, but sometimes I'm not. And so I found that sometimes people ask me a question just to get into it. Maybe they're introverted themselves, and it helps to facilitate facilitate conversation, and I'm, I'm quite proud that someone would do that, would take that route to facilitate, uh, facilitate conversation with me. The second uh, category of people asking questions I've found are those who ask questions so they can share their opinion. And they they don't really want the answer to the question, they just want to tell me what they think. And while that may in itself sound negative, actually it is a very positive thing because I have learned tons from you. People would take the time to come and share their opinion about something or thoughts about something. And in a lot of, lot of times, I have been greatly enlightened by the efforts that they put forth, the thought that they put into it. And so I really appreciate that. Now, the third category of questions are those that will be the focus of our attention in this infrequent series. And it is the person who will ask questions because they really need an answer. Uh, It's not something they just came up with on the spur of the moment. This is something they put a lot of thought into. And when they ask the question, they're either trying to confirm their thoughts or they're trying to get information because they really don't know the answer to it. This is the category in which we're going to be dealing with this particular series. And specifically seen with uh, the questions that I've been asked regarding our subject for today. Uh, A couple of months ago, it might have been, well shoot, it's been longer than that. Actually it was before the year changed, so uh, it's been five, or at least five months ago. It seems like a couple, but it's been longer a uh, gentleman asked me a question and you could tell that it was a very thoughtful question that it had there'd been a lot of thought put into it and it zoned in on our discussion for today and it zoned in very well now the answer because the question was so direct it it would appear that you could just give a very simple answer but it required a much broader response and so I've I've taken the liberty of breaking that particular question down into four questions so that we can compartmentalize it and we can maybe get a better uh, grasp or grip upon the answer itself and the way I want to do this is not try to do it in a regular teaching style, but just really just ask the question and answer it for you. And hopefully it'll, it'll be something that's easy to follow as we do it that route, okay? So if you've got your study guide, get ready to write. That's a long introduction for this beginning. Let's jump right in here. Number one, the first question is, is there a difference in a tithe and an offering? Is there a difference in a tithe and an offering? Is the tithe different from an offering? I think is the way yours reads. Is the tithe tithe different from the offering? Now obviously today we're going to be talking about the matter of giving. And uh, we're going to be dealing with that from Malachi chapter 3 and uh, very specifically verses 8 through 11. We'll touch other places in the Bible as we move through, but very specifically verses 8 through 11. Of Malachi chapter 3. Now, as you read in Malachi chapter 3, you don't have to go very far to understand that there is a difference in the tithe and the offering. In fact, verse 8 tells us this God is speaking and he asks a question. He said, Will a man rob God? And then he gives the answer, Yet you have robbed me. But you say, In what way have we robbed you? And God says, In tithes and in offerings. God distinguishes between the two. Now if you go back through the Old Testament you find that there are many times that there is a distinguishment made between the two, between the tithe and the offering. There is a difference in them. And what is the difference? Well as we move through the other questions we'll give some additional responses to this but what I'd like to do first of all is just to give you two two differences that we see in the tide and the offering. The first of all is the amount. The amount. Now, as you're looking at this study guide, the study guide is there for your benefit. I wish what you would do is do more than just fill in the blanks today. Because if you go back later to get information, you're going to read the question and it's not going to prove to be very helpful. So if you would, also put the answer into the space provided for you okay so the amount is going to be different now the amount i mean the percentage because a tithe means a tenth a tenth uh, there's a good definition for you a tithe means a tenth in the day in which this was written the people would bring a tenth of their gain into the temple, the storehouse of the temple, to provide for those who were taking care of the temple. And so they would bring a tenth of their gains in, and they would give it as their tithes to God. So a tenth is required of the tithe. But then the offering is different in that the offering is set aside in the Old Testament as something that God was very direct. Here's what I want from you. Maybe it was a sheep, a lamb, or a bird of some sort for this particular offering, the different offerings. It was something that would be costly to the people. In the New Testament, it changes in that the offering then is seen as something that God directs our hearts to. Uh, Paul said, as each person is purposed in his heart, so let him give for the needs of others, to meet the needs of other people. So as God directs then we would give an amount that is not specified by a 10th or a 5th or a 20th or whatever the case may be. It is an amount that God puts on our heart for something special, for something particular. Now maybe you're like Melinda and I. Melinda's in the nursery today. but, But we have an amount set aside each month that we give for different things. Maybe it's to the same thing every month. The portion of it will be this particular year as we give our commitment offering toward our new children's wing. But then we also have another amount that's an additional part that's set aside that we use for other things. That then would bring us to the second difference because not only is the amount different, the amount Of the tithe being 10%, the amount of the offering being as God leads and directs us in a particular situation. But we also see that the use of it will be different. The use of it will be different. The use of the tithe is to to manage the budgeted items. Every year, the first of the year, we give you a budget. And uh, we pray over that budget. And then we vote that budget into existence for our church for that year. When we give our tithes, we are giving toward meeting the budgeted needs. That being uh, for, for, for the staff, for pastors, for other teachers. Uh, that being for electric gas, uh, water for the building, for the upkeep of the building. That being for reaching out to our community. There's a budgeted item for our missionaries. All of this goes under the tithe. The offering is used in a different way. It's used in those specific situations like for our missionaries. Yes, we have a budgeted item to to help our missionaries, but the primary way we do missions and give to our missionaries around the world is through our Sunday school Bible study time. Every Sunday morning there ought to be an opportunity for you to give an offering to help our missionaries, to be part of their ministry. It's also the case with our building, our, our children's wing, the commitment we've made. An offering will go toward that. And it's also the case for needy people. In, in the New Testament, you find time and time again that God is commanding us to, to help those who are in need. And so the offering is different from the tithe in the way that it is appropriated, the way that it is used but there is one thing that is very much alike. The tithe and the offering, there's something that's very much alike, and that is the overall purpose. The overall purpose. Uh, for, for me, my understanding of what God desires for me, my, my tithe and my offerings are actually a form of Worship. It's a form of me saying, God, you are so much greater than what I possess. You mean so much more to me than the tenth of my income and my offering over above that, that I want to give that back to you. Now, certainly it's a matter of obedience, but my obedience is a form of worship as well, where I I communicate the greatness of God to me. And so the likeness is that whether it's a tithe or an offering the purpose of my heart in doing this is that i ought to be trying to bring glory to god through my worship okay now that then brings us to the second question i think this is a very important question to capture even though the answer will be short it's important to understand and the answer the question is simply this Is this something, this being the tithe and the offering, is this something that the Bible says is good to do or is required to do by God? Is the tithe and the offering something that is just a good thing to do? It's optional. Or is this something that God requires of us? I think when we read verses 8 and 9 we can capture a very clear understanding that this is not something that God says is optional to us. But in fact, it's something that is required. Verses 8 and 9, God says, and allow me to pause after the question because I want to insert something here. God says, will a man rob God? Now, I want you to think about that with me for a second. Because in my, my way of thinking through this, that is the most absurd question. I mean, to think about the possibilities that somehow I could rob God. That somehow I would have a desire to rob God. I mean, we're not talking about a neighbor. We're not talking about an employer to where it might be easy to get away with something. We're talking about the almighty, all-knowing, all-powerful, everywhere-present God. This is the one. He says, Will a man rob God? And, and the answer would come, Of course not. And yet God turns around and says, Yet you have robbed me. And the people respond, Well, in what way have we robbed you? God, it's not possible for us to rob you. I mean, you're God. We're just little fleas roaming around on the earth. How could we possibly rob you? And God gives the answer, in tithes and offerings. And then he goes on to say in verse 9, you are cursed with a curse for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Now I think it's evident, if you don't even read the other places in the Old and New Testament where we talk about it, that God requires this of His people and I think it's evident because of the fact that if if this was optional, if God was saying okay I'm gonna give you the option to look at it, weigh it out, if you want to do it great, if you don't want to do it, well that's fine too. He would have never come back then and said well you have robbed me. Why? Because well it was optional. You can do it if you want to and don't do it if you do if you don't want to. But in fact what God says is you have Rob me in not doing what I've commanded you to do. In other words, this in fact is a required process. This is something that God requires of us. The third question then, let me throw this out. And I'm going to attack this from two different areas. Attack's a bad word because uh, this is probably the easiest part of the whole discussion until we get to number four. But uh, let me throw it out here. How do we give our tithe and how do we give our offering? So I want to approach it from two different perspectives. First of all, the how, the means, the way, how do we go about doing it? The tithe is actually the easy part in there because verse 10, the first part of that verse, tells us bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Bring the tithe into the storehouse. Now the day in which this was written, the place people came to worship, the place people came to sacrifice was the temple. And the temple had a storehouse uh, located there on the property where the tithes that were brought in that weren't immediately used would be taken and placed into the storehouse. And it was placed there for the purpose of caring for the priests and the Levites and those who would care for the temple on a day to day basis and their families. And so they would store it there until it was needed and then they would bring it out and use it accordingly. In our day and time it's very similar. We come to the church to worship. Of course that's not the only place we are to worship obviously I'm not trying to say that but we come here to collectively worship God and he tells us in the same way that we are to bring our tithes and our offerings here to the church particularly now we're talking about the tithe that we're to bring it here I've heard people say well I, I give my tithe to uh, to a ministry I heard about over the radio or on the television or one that I was associated with earlier on Based upon what we read in this passage, if you're giving money to them, what you're giving, it may be the same amount as a tithe, but it's not a tithe, it's actually an offering, which is well and good, that's great, but the, the tithe is still to be brought to the church. God still expects the tithe to come here. Other people would say, well, I'm giving my tithe to the missionaries, or I'm giving my tithe to our, our new building. And the same is true. It's a great offering, and we appreciate that. I know being able to partner with our missionaries is a blessing, but the truth is, that's not a tithe. That's an offering. Because the tithe is to go for our budgeted items to meet the needs that exist here in the church. The offering is to be used for the other things. Now, how do we give an offering? Well, the offering can also be brought to the church for our missionaries, Sunday school Bible study time, for our building fund, uh, to build our new children's wing. It can be given to meet the needs of others. Some people want to bring that and give it to the church so that it can be given anonymously or so that there can be a record kept of their giving or uh, just so they have somebody that's taking care of that process for them. We're happy to do that, obviously. But now here's the difference in the tithe and the offering because the offering can also be given outside the church. The offering can be given to somebody in your community that has a special need. You say, you know what, because an offering by definition is a gift to God that's given to Him over and above the tithe, then I want to take my gift, my offering, and meet the need of someone else. And so we go outside the church to meet the needs of someone else. That's perfectly fine. You may give to organizations you hear about on the radio. A lot of us in our church, we give to WDYM, which is a, a radio station ran by our own Tom Sneed. And we we want to keep that message going out, and so we give an offering that way. Others give to compassion, others give to Uh, uh, maybe focus on the family, or other things, organizations that are intended for the the betterment of God's people and the glorification of God. I think what it really comes down to is the second part of this answer. Okay, the how of how do we do it, but the second part, the how of, of the attitude. How's it expected? How's the attitude expected? And that is an attitude of thankfulness and cheerfulness. That I give with an attitude of thankfulness to God because of what He's done for me. Because of the way He's blessed me, the way He's taken care of us, the way He's met our needs through the years, the way He's protected us. And if for no other reason for the sacrifice that He made in the death of His Son on the cross... There ought to be a gratitude in me that says, you know what, God, you've given to me, and I want to give back. I want to give back. But then also cheerfulness. Some people say, there's no way to give away your money cheerfully. And yet, the Bible says that God loves a cheerful giver. It's what God's looking for from us. Someone that is so grateful, that is so thankful we can't wait to be part of what God is doing through our church, through our missionaries, and in our community. Well, there's one more question. And this is the one that everybody loves to hear. (laughs) Number four, what is the benefit... What is the benefit of giving offerings? What is the benefit? Well, verse 10 and 11 share with us some really great insight. God says in verse 10, Bring all the tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and try me now in this. Catch that phrase. Try me now in this. In this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. Verse eleven, and I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of Hosts. Incredible thing about God is that he could easily, because he is God, just say, you know what? I expect you to give a tithe and an offering, and that's where it ends. He has every right to do that. But God, in his remarkable kindness for us, says, but I want to show you something. Because I want you to know that if you do this my way, then there's going to be something for you in it as well. And what he says is, he says, try me now in this. In other words, put me to the test. I want you to put me to the test. You see, you do this God's way. You you tithe, you give your offerings. And you watch and see if, and then he says, I will not open for you the windows of heaven. And pour out for you such blessings, there will not be room enough to receive it. Now, I've heard people say, okay, that means that if you give a seed of faith, you give $50, in three weeks, you're going to get 50 times that back. God is not a slot machine. God never promises that He will make us wealthy. What Jesus says is you deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. Doesn't sound like that's wealth and fame and glory and power and prestige. But what he says is that I will open the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessings. That I will bless your life in ways that you can't imagine. Maybe for some that will be financially. I've seen God bless many people financially. Now, he's never seen fit to do that for me. But for many, he has. But I believe more than that, that it's God saying, guess what? I'm going to make the 80% go far further than the 100%. Or I'm going to make the 70% go further than the 100%. Because I'm going to bless and I'm going to meet your needs. And I'm going to do for you what you can't do for yourself. And in fact, he goes on to say, And I will rebuke the devourer. In this day and time in which this was written, people were living off the land, literally living off the land. And if there was a famine or there was a drought or an invasion of uh, of pests that came through and destroyed the crops... Man, it was going to be a rough winter. But what God says, you do this my way, and I will tell the devourer, you better not touch this one. This one, this one's doing what they're supposed to do. In our day and time, that could mean something a little bit different because we don't necessarily live off the land. Uh, Maybe there are some farmers and some uh, herdsmen here. Honestly, I don't know. I don't don't see anyone I know that to be true of. but, But maybe what God is telling us is that the sicknesses that have caused so many doctor bills, the problems you've had with the car over and over, the difficulties you've had at it work, it's cost you time. I'm going to rebuke the devourer. And I'm going to tell the devourer, no, you don't touch this one. You know, the significant part here is obedience, obviously. But all through the Scriptures, we find that God honors and blesses obedience. And in this case, God says, put me to the test. Now, typically, if someone says, well, I'm going to test God, you want to get far away from that person. <laughs> but here, God says to us, this is what I'm asking you to do. I want you to test me. I want you to say, okay, God, I'm, I'm going to do that. I haven't been doing it, and I'm, I'm sorry, I've, I've been robbing you, but I'm going to start. I'm going to put you to the test, and... For the next three months, I'm going to give your way. And I want to see you meet the needs. Because as I look at my budget, I remember as Melinda and I were sitting down looking at ours early on in our marriage. There was no way. No way. And maybe you're the same. You look at your budget and you say, there's no way. I give that. They're going to be taking my house pretty soon. God says, put me to the test. Seated here in the audience is a lady that a couple of years ago, after a similar challenge, came and told me. She said, a few weeks, a few months later, and it might have even been a year later, she said, you know, I was one of those people. I wasn't giving God's way. And I determined that I was going to test God and see. And you know what? He did everything you said. Better put, he did everything he said. So then what do we do with this type of information? You know, it is my prayer that what we do is live in obedience to God. That we just determine, okay God, you've said it. This is what you've told me to do and therefore I'm going to do it. Going to do it. And that we allow God to grow our faith as we watch Him meet the needs. As we watch Him do the things that only God can do. <laughs> that we watch Him bless our relationships, bless our health finance is not that there'll never be problems but that God will always meet the need he's faithful let him prove it to you